Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Trags, and this week on Red Sox Beat, I welcome in Jen McCaffrey covering the Red Sox, doing an awesome job covering the Red Sox, I might add, for The Athletic. She is a must-read and a must-follow, of course, on Twitter, at JC McCaffrey, that's J-C-M-C-A-F-F-R-E-Y. How you doing, Jen? Good, Trags. How you doing? I couldn't be better. Uh, life is treating me well. My daughter's treated me to a a great Father's Day uh, remotely. They are back in Boston. I'm here in, of course, the Cincinnati area. But uh, it was a wonderful Father's Day, so I cannot complain. Awesome. That's good. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah, I'm very, very happy. It looks like you are uh, loving life right now uh, in, with the uh, scenery in the backyard. Yeah, I have uh, a little more space. I'm at my parents' house, so taking care of the, the family dog while they're on a little trip. So uh, got got a lot more space than I do up in Boston, so I figured I'd uh, take advantage of it. There is a lot going on in the Red Sox world right now. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, as we record this, are a half game ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, the team they'll be facing in a huge three-game showdown at the Trop this week down in St. Pete. Uh, Red Sox are 43-29, and 29, and that's uh, one loss better than the 43-30. and 30. And struggling, Tampa Bay Rays, they're going through quite the spell right now. They've lost six in a row. So while the Red Sox lost... Uh, two of three over the weekend, Jen, disappointingly so, I think, uh, to Kansas City. As you point out uh, in your athletic article on Monday, they're still in really good shape. Yeah, you know, I, I think especially going to a, into a series like this, they, you know, Tampa Bay is always, always, you know, for, for the longest time, even when they weren't good, been a really tough competitor for the Red Sox. So, um, you know, heading into this week um, with, with the Rays beat up a little bit, um, to be honest, is probably not a bad thing from the Red Sox perspective. Um, you know, the Red Sox are dealing with a couple of injuries themselves, and they're not exactly sure where they're, where they're going to stand with Christian Arroyo and uh, Kevin Plecky. Um, but, uh but far, far better than where the Rays are having lost, I think like four walk-off losses in their last five games and six straight losses. So they're really reeling right now. Um, you know, from the Red Sox side of things, if they can kind of go in there and maybe take advantage of that, they probably are, will uh, and will want to. A walk-off grand slam on Sunday against Seattle. They, yeah. they are really going through a spell that uh, is going to test uh, their depth. And uh, one thing uh, they also lost or could be losing their ace, uh, Tyler Glass. Now uh, he has suffered, as you wrote, a partially torn UCL, uh, UCL and will be shut down for at least four weeks and probably more. Look, the Rays are looking for a spark and what better spark than to dip into their minor league pool and bring up the number one prospect, not only in their organization, 
but MLB.com rates Wander Franco, the switch hitting uh, infielder, as the best prospect in baseball over the last two seasons. He is expected to be called up Tuesday and start against the Red Sox. Yeah, that's going to be another thing to kind of watch in this series. And, you know, aside from the fact these two teams are separated by a half game in the for the division lead is that the top prospect in all of baseball is going to be potentially making his debut. Um, you know, this has been a storyline people throughout baseball been kind of following for uh, a couple of years now because he is that good and he's been up there and they, you know, there's been, um, you know, when are they going to call him up? When are they going to call him up? There was a point earlier in the year where the, where the Rays had a couple injuries and, and people were wondering, you know, is this when Franco's going to debut? So it's happening now against the Red Sox. So Red Sox fans are going to get a chance to see what this kid can do. Um, and uh, yeah, it, that, that's another layer to just another kind of a pretty intense series that that's kind of on, on schedule for this week. I always like these series for some reason with Tampa, because like you said earlier, uh, Jen, uh, the Rays have a way of testing the Red Sox that other teams don't. They look at, you know, for obviously for years, Heim Bloom was in charge down there and he knows Tampa better than anybody, obviously, uh, inside the Red Sox organization. But the way the Rays test the Red Sox uh, through speed and usually defense and obviously great pitching and bullpen arms up the gazoo. Uh, they just have a way of really testing the Red Sox, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is always a challenge, especially kind of going uh, going down there to Tropicana Field for the for the Red Sox. It's always a tough series for them. And the Rays look a little different this year pitching wise. I mean, they've they've got Rich Hill, but, you know, they didn't they got rid of they don't have glass now anymore. You know, they don't have Charlie Morton, who they had, you know, previously, um, you know, Michael Walk has kind of stepped in. Uh, they've, they've got kind of a, a few different names in there that, uh, you know, even a guy like Colin McHugh, who was actually with the Red Sox briefly last year, yep. but was hurt. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting series for sure. Um, they're very good defensively, so they're not going to make many mistakes. And we've seen the Red Sox, you know, uh, that's kind of been one of their bugaboos is, is some of the defense sometimes. So um, yeah, I think these are going to be close, low scoring games and kind of uh, grind, grind it out type type games for, for the both sides, I think. As you noted uh, in your article uh, uh, for today, Monday, um, the bugaboo really got them on Sunday. Uh, Obviously, Nate Evaldi didn't have his best, most efficient outing on the mound, uh, but their defense kept Evaldi out there exposed on the mound on a hot day in Kansas City. Uh, that kind of wore him down, and Evaldi kind of noted that after the game, not throwing anybody under the bus. He just, you know, in complimentary terms, the Red Sox did not play a very complimentary series over the weekend. That's really why they lost uh, two or three, but the collision between Kiki Hernandez and Christian Arroyo looks like Arroyo could be out for at least a couple of days. But I'll say this about Bloom. One thing he did with the roster this year that I, I think people have touched on, but I haven't gone in depth about is the versatility that they have. When you take a look at Kiki Hernandez's uh, background and Christian Arroyo's background, they've both played multiple positions over their careers. And, and I think that's been a huge part of why Alex Cora, who knows how to manipulate a roster as well as anybody in baseball, that's one of the big reasons for their success, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and add Marwan Gonzalez to that mix too, because he's been all over the place as well. And yeah, really, you know, that's been, that's been key. And that's been one of the reasons they've, you know, for much of the season, uh, you know, we're allowed to go at 14 pitchers because they didn't need a, a, a big bench. You didn't need four bench guys. They could use those three bench guys because those guys could literally play anywhere, um, you know, except a uh, catcher or pitcher. Uh, so they were kind of covered everywhere. And uh, when you do have these injuries, you know, we don't really know exactly uh, what the extent of, 
Arroyo's injury is a bone bruise, but you know, how, right. how deep that is, if he'll be able to just skip a game or so, or if he'll need a, an IL stint. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just having that kind of, um, versatility to kind of mix guys in and mix guys around has really kind of just helped sustain them a lot throughout the season. Um, and, and, you know, moving guys around any way that they can. So that's been, yeah, I think that was part of, uh, Bloom's plan in the, in the winter to kind of add these types of guys uh, so they could could keep this this roster pretty flexible and I think also knowing that they might need more pitching and an extra pitcher in a year where uh, you know they're coming off a 60 game season and weren't sure you know the durability of some guys you know Eduardo Rodriguez um, you know and his his uh, COVID issues in the past or so yeah I think uh, there was I think there was a, a plan to all this and, you know, so far, you know, what is it late June um, it's worked out for them. Um, we'll see if it kind of continues, but I think, yeah, it'll be tested this week. If some of those guys are, are down. Speaking with Jen McCaffrey doing a wonderful job covering the Red Sox for the athletic. Hey, sports fans bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, baseball season in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and info for you, all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and don't forget all of your UFC, MMA action, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. And take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all of the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. You're an avid runner, aren't you, Jen? I am. I went for a run this morning. <laughs> oh, good. You feel energized? Is that why you're you, you look so fresh and ready to go on this uh, terrific Red Sox. Yeah, I took a shower. I got ready. You know, maybe that's why I look a little fresh, but <laughs> you look, you always look fresh. You always look ready to go. Um, the reason I ask is I think you post some of the best shots from the chart, both sides of the Charles actually, um, after you go for a run uh, and you take a lot of pride in doing that. I Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I love that area. I love running over there. It's such a, I don't know. It's like one of my favorite parts of the city. So, uh, yeah, I've always, I feel like I'm always inclined to take a good, a good photo over there and depending, no matter what the season is. <laughs> I always ask uh, Bradford this, but uh, you run the marathon? I never yeah. have. Yeah, I've done, I've done a few half marathons. Uh, I've never done a marathon. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe someday we'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've done like four half marathons. So uh, that's one more half marathon than I've ever so I give you credit on that. Uh, Red Sox fiction, Jen McCaffrey of the Athletic covering the Red Sox for the Athletic. Look, I've had uh, the aforementioned Rob Bradford on, Ian Brown. I've had uh, Will Fleming last week, Red Sox play-by-play -play broadcaster. The, the area of the Red Sox staff, that the roster that concerns me is not even the bullpen. It's the, the rotation. And I just don't know if this rotation is going to hold up for the second half of the season. Everything else about this team, I think, is is a playoff caliber roster, no question. But when you get to the rotation, I, I have my concerns. Yeah, you know, and that's actually interesting you say that because uh, we were talking with uh, Cora the other day and just asking about, you know, the rotation and, and if, 
you know, how, how things are looking. And especially with Tanner Howe coming back from the flexor strain, he pitched uh, three yep. really strong innings on Thursday in Worcester, and he's going to start pretty much every fifth day from now on. Uh, so he Clore was asked about that and kind of what the rotation looks like in the second half. And he, he mentioned that, you know, there is the possibility they might, you know, call up how can kind of stretch, uh, stretch guys out, give, you know, give guys an extra day knowing, you know, that the last year, you know, the shortened season last year and knowing that the second half could be ripe for injuries. So trying to be mindful of that. Um, so you could kind of go into the second half with a six man rotation and Chris sale coming back. So, I mean, right now it does, it is a situation that you have to keep an eye on, especially, you know, the past week or so, the, the rotation has been pretty rough um, and, and not as solid as they were earlier in the year. Um, I think as the season progresses and guys kind of hit that, uh, that point of the year where they're already starting to get fatigued, um, adding in maybe uh, a Tanner Houck and, um, you know, maybe Chris Sale sometime in August or, you know, end of August uh, would absolutely be a boon. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Bloom, you know, tries to pick somebody up at the deadline. And I don't think it's going to be, you know, Max Scherzer. I don't think they're going to, you know, oh, sell I was, yeah, that, that's the name but, every Red yeah. Sox fan would want, though. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody looks at the big names, but Heim hasn't done those moves. And why would he right now? I mean, this is. They're, they're trying to, you know, keep the farm system growing and they're trying to, um, you know, win with what they kind of with what they have type type thing right now this year. Um, and I think adding kind of like a, a mid tier guy or maybe someone, you know, that you've heard of, but maybe is on the on the rebound type thing is, is a way that they might go. Uh, I think they're probably going to what yeah, wait a few more weeks, obviously, until things maybe start to pick up a little bit more. Um, but I could see something like that. Yeah. Something like that kind of addition happening, but again, keeping in mind that Tanner Houck and Chris Sale are sort of, you know, right there too. So, so yeah, those are two names. Obviously every Red Sox fan is going to keep their eyes on the next uh, couple of weeks. But to me, the linchpin has to be the improvement of E-Rod. He, Eduardo Rodriguez has to be better than five and four with a 621 ERA. And what's his whip? 1.47. That's got to improve. He's got to get the walks down. And he's got to be more consistent with the fastball around the, around the corners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we've asked Cora so many times, you know, what, you right. know, what it, what's the, what's going on here. And, you know, he, he just wants them to kind of attack more and to, you know, you, like you said, throw that fastball, you know, not just keep spotting, but, you know, throw it and pitch in counts where he needs to. And um, just, be more aggressive um he's been a little it seems like he's kind of been too timid i guess in 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 big situations and hasn't been able to come through and you know thinking himself it's like it, it, yeah that's always been something yeah right like he has to throw his off speed or his breaking pitch to get guys off his fastball well you don't have to get guys off the fastball if they're not catching up on it and it's got late life and that's what erod has always had with his fastball Right. And yeah, it seems like he's not trusting what he has right now. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, like you said, overthinking it and kind of uh, just getting in his own head in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and, and you're also just kind of curious, is this, you know, fatigue from last year? Is there something else that's kind of creeping in? I don't think obviously the Red Sox would throw him out there if they're worried about anything like that. But at the same time, um, you know, we don't really know too much about the after effects of myocarditis. So, uh, I think there's just a lot of different factors going on, but, but honestly, yeah, the number one thing that it seems like is that he's just not 
being aggressive enough in, in situations where he needs to be. All right, let's move on to a pet peeve. You know me well enough and long enough to know that I love to rant occasionally, right? You I do, do know that about me. So <laughs> one I've of heard, my- I've heard one or two rants before. <laughs> one of my rants about Major League Baseball, and I understand they're trying to get pictures to conform, get everybody to conform and, and enforce the rules already on the books. But this whole idea, which starts today, of reinforcing or, or uh, doubling down on the efforts to ban foreign substances off the ball bothers me because of not so much their efforts to get pictures uh, to not cheat, but it's when this is coming. It's coming in the middle of the season, and you're asking umpires to police something that I think they don't have an idea going into how they're going to do it. And will it be uniform across baseball, which is another huge issue. And I, when you do this midstream, like Major League Baseball is trying to pull off, this to me is going to be wrought with problems in terms of uh, mechanics and procedure. And that's not what MLB needs now. And my other big issue with this, I think it's going to uh, cause pictures uh, to look for other ways to cheat. And because that's what's going to happen. If you take something away on one end that is known, you're going to get something on the other end that's maybe not as known to baseball. And I just think they're asking for trouble doing this in the middle of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it feels like they're trying to like overcompensate for, you know, people, this right. kind of coming into the public eye. Um, you know, I think people knew that this kind of stuff was around, maybe not to the extent, you know, the spider tack and kind of the, how, how aggressive that use was and how much, you know, how, how sticky, to be honest, that stuff is. But, but people knew that, you know, guys were using sunscreen and rosin and mixtures of things. And that's kind of just been a thing that was one of those, you know, not unwritten ruled, but one of those things that people, you know, guys had been doing for years. And I mean, you know, I think maybe some people took it too far with using this stuff like spider tech that made it that much harder across the game for offense, you know, for, for players to, to even just hit the ball because, because, uh, you know, spin rates were so high, but it feels like, you know, MLB was, you know, trying to jump ahead of the curve and, and be like, see, we're taking care of this one. We didn't take care of, you know, steroids back in the day, but we're taking care of this and we're going to crack down. And like, right. Exactly. Like, hold yeah. on. There's, this is, this is like, you know, mid season. And like, um, you, you know, I think it was Glasnow a couple weeks ago said that, you know, he tried, he had been using, I think he said, I think it was the sunscreen and rosin he was saying, and he, he didn't use it in the next start. He, had you know pain in his in his elbow and in his forearm because he had to grip the ball harder because the ball itself is slippery um and that's what led to this you know shutdown for him so i think we're gonna see a lot more of that um and i think mlb is gonna have to you know deal with that and i you know you don't want guys cheating but at the same time there's maybe a better way to go about uh policing this or you know maybe in the off season like you mentioned or I don't know. Uh, they feel like every time they try to fix something, they just step on their own feet. And uh, it is going to be interesting to see right. how pitchers handle this, how teams handle this. And like you said, you know, we, we were talking to Jason Veritek the other day and asking him about it. And he was, he was saying, well, we, you know, we kind of have some other ideas of how we're going to handle this. And, you know, we're not going to, I'm not, we don't want to divulge too much for competitive advantage. So does that mean that they're trying something else that might eventually no. be illegal? Like, I don't know. Okay. I was a catcher. 
And I would always tell my pitcher, make sure you rub up the balls good when they come, when a new batch, when an umpire goes over to the screen, uh, even in a high school game and says, we need a new batch of balls, bring them in. Make sure you rub them up so you have a grip. The other thing people are forgetting, Rob, I had Rob Dibble on a couple of weeks ago. The seams are, have decreased on these baseballs with the express purpose of pictures not getting uh, the ability to throw breaking balls as easily as like they do in Japan. I'm sure you've heard of that, Jen, yeah. where you've yeah. talked to enough players and enough pitchers uh, who have pitched over in Japan or even hit in Japan. And the seams there are much more raised. Here in uh, the States, in MLB, they're not. And that's why pictures really uh, went to try and find different ways to get the grip. Because it's not all about necessarily the spin. Certainly, that's a major part of it. But it's also about the grip so you can throw a breaking ball. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, well, yeah, Sarah, Hirokazu Saramora was talking a lot about, you know, in spring training, just how different the baseball is, you know, from here right. in Japan. And I don't think people talk enough about the lack of uniformity in the actual <laughs> baseball itself. It's so yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that they're playing with something, a ball that is different year to year, um, you know, in different, you know, in the minor leagues, different in Japan. And it's just, it's ridiculous that they don't uh, regulate this more and like that they didn't think that that would have, you know, as drastic of an effect. That's and the fact that it drives yeah. me bad shit about this story. It's just, yeah. it's so wrought with so many hypocrisies. But yeah, people... they could solve the whole problem by having like a better baseball, but they're not, I don't know. It's just a very weird and, and yes. you have, in a lot of cases, Jen, and you know this, you have non-baseball people, you have administrators making decisions about the competition. Yeah. Now, it's one of the only sports where that really does happen, because in a lot of cases, you have, uh, certainly there are former players in the commissioner's office and advising them, I get that. But um, the impression, the optics of the story is you have, you know, Rob Manfred and, you know, his administrative staff making decisions on the competitive nature of the game on the field without any you know comprehension of wh how what they're doing might impact the way the game's being played and for the umpires officiating right yeah it just uh it feels like they're you know they sweep in and are like oh this is what we're gonna do and there's so many other aspects that could or should be changed and you're talking about yeah rubbing up the baseballs but like the balls apparently aren't even rubbed. They used to be rubbed with like that special oh, mud from the Delaware yeah. River. And apparently they don't even really use that anymore. And like, there's just so many, um, just the lack of uniformity in the actual freaking baseball that is like the point of, you know, playing the game is just like totally missed here. And it's, um, you know, the, the, like the leather itself is a lot slicker this year. And it's crazy that they don't have uh, just more of, like one way to make it or what you know you know what just popped into my head and i covered the patriots for many many years as you know and i covered the flake gate you know what's going to what path they're going down here you're going to have baseball eventually saying well uh the pictures on the mound get to choose their balls when they're pitching and the other pictures get to choose their balls when they're pitching and then you're going <laughs> And then you're going to say, well, they have to be sealed in a special room. And then when the umpires go in and uh, check on the balls before every single game, they have to check them off. And that is the path you're going. I guarantee you that yeah. 
what you're approaching. It's just making it way more complicated than it needs to be or it should be. And uh, yeah, I I don't know where it's going to go from here, but it's definitely uh, uh, to see how, yeah, the injuries creep up and how teams decide to handle this and how many more batters are potentially going to get hit because because the players, the pitchers don't have grip. Uh, and and so, oh, that's just a safety issue. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, but uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting couple weeks here. Um, so one argument offered up by some pitchers in favor of the use of foreign substances is that, as you just mentioned, it will prevent injury by limiting the number of batters hit by pitches. However, the number of hits batsmen is higher than it's ever been with the four, four highest uh, hit by pitch rates since 1901, all coming in the past four years, suggesting that foreign substances used by pictures are doing little to protect hitters. I don't know how to read that actually. I don't know if pictures are avoiding it or if they've changed the ball or necessarily how to read that stat. Here are some of the new protocols going into effect today. Starting pictures will have more than one mandatory check per game. We don't need more delays, do we? And right. each relief picture must be checked either at the conclusion of the inning in which he entered the game or when he is removed from the game, whichever comes first. In general, inspections will be conducted between innings or after pitching changes to avoid a delay of game and to allow the umpire to perform a thorough check. Okay, whatever. That's, yeah, of, that's the other thing is the pace ahead. of play. Yeah, it's just, this is totally going to slow down games. And like, it's just going to, you know, that's another thing that MLB, you know, was harping on or trying to get better. And like, look, we're trying to make baseball better. Uh, and this is going to very much slow things down. So I don't know. It's going to, it, it seemed like going to be a mess. And the fact that the Red Sox and the Rays, like, you know, have these intense battles playing this week. And the fact that they're kind of, kind of converging when the middle of all this is happening is, is going to be interesting to watch. Okay. The use of foreign substances won't be reviewable by replay. Oh, great. Uh, although foreign substance prohibitions do not apply exclusively to pictures, the picture ultimately will be responsible for any ball that is delivered with a foreign substance on it. If you have somebody handling the ball, let's say a batter with pine tar on his glove. I was just going to say that. Like, how do they know? They don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catchers will also be, so. I mean, they don't once the ball leaves the field of play and are inspected by yeah. some third party. They have no idea. Right. Unless you're going to do fingerprints. Ugh. Um. Let's see. Catchers will also be subject to routine inspections again. Umpires will also inspect a position player if they observe conduct consistent with the use of a foreign substance by a picture. A player who refuses to cooperate with an inspection conducted by the umpire will be presumed to have violated the rules. Um, obviously, we know there's a 10-game suspension, not without pay. They will get paid, but the team doesn't get to replace them on the roster. Yeah, that's another thing that'll be interesting to watch you know, get teams being down a down a guy so uh, yeah and and one of my big we need more trevor bowers in baseball i have said that for <laughs> the longest time and his tweet did you see the video tweet of his last week uh I'm, i think i did i'm trying to remember now well, we rubbed rosin and some type yeah. of uh, watery liquid substance whatever puts the ball let's see do i have a ball here i do not, but he puts the ball right here and then he lets it go and it sticks. And he says, uh, poll, quick poll, is that legal or not? And it was with rosin 
and uh, you know, sweat, whatever, yeah. that would be totally legal. And he had the ball sticking to his hand, holding it up. Yeah. And I just love Trevor Bauer because he's not afraid to expose kind of the hypocrisy and the lunacy of a, a rule like this being enforced in the middle of the season. Yeah. I feel so much better that I got that out of myself. I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad this is a venting, good venting session for you. I feel like this is a good way to start your week. It is, Jen. Um, okay, one more question for you, and I'll let you go. And that is, we, we spoke of Wander Franco for the Rays, the top prospect in baseball. Jaron Duran, uh, a lot of Red Sox fans are clamoring for him. I don't know if they necessarily need him, but here's my feeling on, on the numbers he's putting up, which are pretty tremendous. Let's see if I can draw them up here. Um, he's got 12 home runs. He's hitting north of 300 for Worcester. And I do not understand why, here it is. He's hitting, I'm sorry, 286 for his career. He's hitting 317 uh, in the minor leagues. He's got 12 home runs this year for Worcester. Um, he, I think the first walk-off home run in uh, Polar Park uh, history on Sunday, he's got 24 RBIs. Is he coming up soon? So soon, but as in like this the week or soon as next, no, month. next month. So. The thing that complicates it all is that he's on the U.S. Olympic team. Oh, right. <laughs> and Good point. So they would play in, in, in uh, Tokyo in late July, be done by like early August. You don't necessarily want to, you know, uh, manage your roster around the Olympics. You know, obviously he, his, he's, you know, more uh, of a Red Sox, you know, asset and they should call him up whenever. Uh, but my, my other thought is that do they just, because it's, you know, only a few weeks away and like, they don't, like you said, need, need, you know, someone, unless these injuries that we talked about, if a Royals down or, you know, Plucky and they need to, yeah, you know, figure something out. Like right. Uh, right. Um, br just bring them up in early August after, you know, after mm -hmm. the world, after the uh, Olympics. So I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. I feel like Bloom has been very, very patient with a lot of different guys and just yeah. kind of pumping the brakes on them. Um, the other thing, and this is like more historically, not um, so much with Bloom in charge, but over the years, the Red Sox have called up their really top prospects when the team is on the road, kind of away from all the, the noise and fanfare of Fenway. And they do go to the West Coast um, that July 1st week um, they're in like Seattle and Oakland or LA I think uh, there's a possibility um, you know he gets called up that week but I don't know and I think unless there's a need they're not going to come up and you could say well there's a need at leadoff and you know I also just don't know that they want to slot him in like to the leadoff spot right away and be like perform right away like I don't know those expectations are are pretty hefty and if he falters and you know doesn't get off to a good start you know just ask Bobby Dahlbeck how that you know how yeah, that's he's come around I mean look yeah. that argument sometimes Jen doesn't hold water for me because sure. if he's a major leaguer and he struggles at the start of his career and you have faith in him you tell him we have faith in you take sure. your licks and you know everybody remembers the first month of Dustin Pedroia's career sure. right I mean when he was what 2006 I think it was or yep. 2007 I always forget um, I think it was 06 and he hit 183, whatever it was for, uh, a month and a half. But Tito said, look, kid, you're not going anywhere. Just hang, you know, take the ups with the downs and vice versa and you'll be okay. 
And I think that, you know, that's obviously what Cora has done with Dahlbeck. They weren't planning to kind of move him and he's kind of picked things up and, you know, he'll probably drop down again and pick things back up again. And just as, as guys do in the beginning of their career until things even out. Um, but I don't know. I, I just don't know if putting Duran into like the leadoff spot when they've had such that's little production, yes. uh, it's such a big role. And, you know, I don't know. I, I do wonder too how much his number at Polar Park seems to be a, an immensely friendly um, hitter friendly park with how many home runs they've had. So, you know, maybe those numbers are slightly inflated. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, he will be up. He'll be up by the end of the season. I just don't know if it's going to be like early July or like they'll just be like, you know what, go play through the Olympics, play for Mike Sosha in the Olympics on a really big stage with, you know, a lot of these veteran guys that are, you know, retired now, and then we'll call you up and, you know, alongside Tristan, Tristan Casas too. Um, and then we'll call you up. So I, I don't know. Uh, I I'm kind of leaning that way, but again, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it's early July. I kind of am waffling here, but the other thing, Jen, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, but that's what all I do on this podcast. I mean, uh, but um, the Red Sox are not a team that you would think would be too obsessed with starting the clock. I mean, there was a lot of talking back when Theo ran things about starting the clock and the Red Sox wanted to be pretty careful about how they did that. But are they still concerned about when you start the major league clock on a player like that? I think if they're always mindful of it, but I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think at this point he's going to come up, you know, sooner than sooner than later so you know what's a month really or a, a month or two months you know or month and a half um so i don't think that that's necessarily like a, a driving factor here um now if they were like oh we're not calling him up until you know april of next year then you'd kind of be scratching your head like hmm, that's you know what's going on there but i i'm it all indications are that he's going to be up at some point this summer um Probably no later than like April 15th. Right. Or, sorry, August, August 15th. August, I knew it. Um, but the other thing to uh, keep in mind is that's not necessarily for uh, financial, it is, but long term, the reason you have to be mindful of the clock, as they call it, uh, service time, yeah. is service time and player control. How long right. does, does the team get an extra year of control of the player right. if they wait to call them up? And that's why this all matters right so anything else on your plate um yeah just that tampa series the yankees this weekend um it should oh, be a good revenge ball. yeah first time yankees are back at uh, at fenway um since with fans anyway since 2019 and so yeah long time and um obviously sure last year they dominated the red sox this year the red sox got off to a dominating start against uh, the yankees yeah, we'll see, you know, if that evens out this weekend or if they keep it up. So um, it, they're, they're, the Yankees are a mighty strange and difficult team to figure out. They, they really are. I mean, yeah, you would think uh, they'd be better than this. And, you know, a lot of times they have had slow starts and then they pick it up by this point in the season. But right now they're still kind of figuring things out. So maybe this is who they are. But um yeah, I don't. I I think the Red Sox want to be careful going into this weekend, not assuming they're gonna, you know, have another sweep and then get swept because I think that would be uh, obviously a worst case scenario and pretty embarrassing uh, for for them. So um, then again, you know, it's gonna probably be a taxing three games, you know, in Tampa. So um, I don't know. 
it's going to be an interesting week, uh, you know, interesting six, six upcoming games either way. Yeah. Very much. Well, Jen, um, uh, hopefully this, uh, I'm, I intend on having you back. I hope you will uh, accept my offer when I extend it uh, in the near future to have you back on the Red Sox Brief podcast. I will happily accept in the future. You're the best, Jen. want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific uh, guest, Jen McCaffrey, doing bang-up work covering the Red Sox all year long for The Athletic. Follow her on Twitter at J.C. McCaffrey, all one word. That's J.C.M.C. C-A-F-F-R-E-Y. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, betonline.ag. I'm Mike Petralia, and for Jen McCaffrey, this has been the Red Sox Beat uh, Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.